Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Jim Peterson, who's the CEO of Valor Metals, uh, TSXV listed explorer of PGMs. And if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. You can also get uh, detailed company reports, uh, commentary from market experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there. Also summaries of all the interviews that we have done just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. So go join them now at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Jim Peterson, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing incredibly well, Matt. How are you? Fine, fine. Looking forward to this weekend. Really am. It's it's been a long week, I have oh. to admit. But looking forward to talking to you. We should have talked last week. I think you know. We, I think we decided that this week would be better because, as we see, we have a press release out today with a bit of detail, and I think it's going to be way more fun for people to uh, listen to you talk about. In that your honor. You, thank you, thank you. I, I, I'm sure that's not true, but uh, we are. Let's pretend it is. Um, so, and how, how are things over there? Things good at home? They're going very well, very well indeed. And I'll just get back. It, the news release was in your honor because you're a man who's known for tough questioning and looking to get into detail. And I wanted to make sure I could talk about everything possible, look under the hood as much as possible. Hence the detailed news release. Well, that's, that's very, very kind of you. And uh, in your honor, I will grill you. Um, so- <laughs> So backfired on me. <laughs> you didn't think that through. Um, so why don't you kick us? Give it. Give everyone that one minute overview of the business, and then we'll uh, pick it up from there. Sure. We're an exploration company. We trade in the venture exchange. About a twenty-eight million market cap Canadian market capitalization Canadian dollars. We've got projects in Canada and Brazil. The project that we have in Brazil is our primary focus. It's a platinum or palladium platinum project or a PGE project, as we call it. It's in northeastern Brazil. It's a big land package. It's the type of land package that we like as a group. Big district scale potential, as you love to discuss. In this case, we believe it to be very true. And we've got two rigs drilling on the project right now. It's an exploration stage project. We were blessed, though, the company from which we bought it had defined a resource and uh, a Jork resource, we actually came in and, and defined a 43-101 resource, a little over a million ounces. And in this particular program, we're looking to expand those resources, advance other targets that had been drilled by previous operators or explorers, and then make our own discoveries across the project. Okay. And that is the one minute. Okay. It's not bad. You've been working on it. Um, Need to ask a question. We've got some questions in here which have been sent in very kindly by people who watch the show and uh, subscribe to us. Um, and I want to be able to ask this one and then so we can park it. Okay, you've got uranium and gold assets. What are you doing with them? Holding them right now. And we have the type of group that, that has the potential of monetizing those assets through some sort of corporate transaction, but we're not working on that presently. Okay, fine. So we'll definitely park them then. Um, I think we need to start off because there's a lot of new people coming into this uh, mining space, uh, generalists, people who've been investing in technology, healthcare, biosciences, um, and looking at this and wondering what they should be staring at and not necessarily comfortable with the terminology. Um, and there's some people who've been in mining for a long time who also are on, uh, unfamiliar with some of the terminology like PGE, Platinum Group Elements. What is it and why should anyone care about them? 
Uh, well, in our case, the PGEs that we're that we're exploring for are, are used in the auto sector, so catalytic converters. So for the most part, it's driven by auto demand and you know, the the drive to make uh, automobiles cleaner and um, to spew out less nauseous fumes. So it is actually kind of a general uh, policy across the board to incorporate more palladium or platinum into the vehicles that are being used and manufactured globally. So, but we are slave to global uh, auto demand. And, we, you know, this year has been good. At the beginning of the year, I thought, holy, we're going to shit the bed in terms of auto demand. It's been not bad. Uh, I don't know what 2021 will bring, but that is a big driver. And then if from a platinum perspective and palladium to a lesser degree, there are a number of investors that may like that instead of gold. It's a pre they're precious metals. Um, but for the most part, platinum, platinum, and to a, a lesser degree, rhodium is used. Okay, so that explains what um, PGEs are used for, use cases, etc. But you know, these are these are usually quite expensive. They're quite erratic in terms of pricing, and if you time it right, you can you can get decent margins on it. I mean. Did you set out to go after PGEs? Was that was that the objective day one? Absolutely not. I think though that what our group is, we're we're kind of commodity agnostic, you know, and we don't and we don't chase flavor of the month, which is what we talked about in our very first interview, you and I. But you know, in terms of platinum and palladium, they're not really going in lockstep. Platinum, I would say, isn't really overvalued at all right now. It's trading in it. Eight to nine hundred range, eight sixty, I think, and then you've got palladium, which is over two thousand. And some of our posters on on the different billboards and the people that follow us are talking a lot about rhodium, which is a very niche mineral, which obviously is getting squeezed right now. The prices have exploded, but these types of things you can't. If you're an exploration stage company and you really are realistically trying to advance the project to a point where either you put it into production or someone buys it, you can't. Be swayed by the day-to-day -day pricing. The day-to-day -day pricing may get some retail guys in, you know, a small component, but the real big money doesn't say, well, rhodium's at $10,000 an ounce right now. It will always be at $10,000 an ounce, and thus we can make our five-year plans based on $10,000 an ounce pricing. We don't do that. So what we look for in a, in a project is, um, you know, we're looking at the potential future mining scenarios, the logistics of it, the access of it, the processing of it, and the potential to grow it so that it's a significant sized resource that a big company will come in and say, you know, we have we can weather the commodity pricing storms and we think your project is something we should bring into our portfolio. Those guys are going to need a big project. This is why you keep talking about district-wide, because it needs to go through multiple cycles. Because it's not like, let's go build a, a, a processing plant to process gold, silver, whatever. This, this is very specialist. Um, so is that why you keep talking to me about district-wide scale of opportunity? Yeah, because when I, would, when I think about what it would take for a major mining company to make a decision to come into a country like Brazil, if they were a palladium or platinum producer, they would, it's not for a hundred thousand ounces. They'd say, well, we have to set up an office and we have to have this massive team. And so it's got to, you know, be something that we can be mining for 10 years or 20 years or longer. And it's got to be something that can kind of ride out a couple different cycles. So yeah, it's got to be big. It can't be half a million ounces. However, the thing about, a palladium or platinum project where I see a, a little difference is 
the industry is, albeit very concentrated. So there are only a few different producers, like five of note in the world. And for the most part, the production of the PGs comes from South Africa or Russia, Zimbabwe, in some cases, um, the Stillwater uh, complex in, in, in America. And then you've got um, North American palladium or implants in, in, um, in Canada. But for the most part, it's Russia and South Africa. So um, it's a highly concentrated industry. However, I believe that it, there is some crossover. So if you had a precious metals producer or a gold producer, I don't think they'd be scared of a platinum or palladium mining project as long as the metallurgy wasn't crazy. You know, I think that they could look at it and go, we understand this. It'd be very different for a gold producer uh, to pick up a fertilizer project, for example. That would be completely outside their bailiwick. But I don't think a palladium platinum project would be. But for the most part, the work that we're doing has to make sense for those big players in palladium platinum, although we have some other target audience, perhaps. Okay, so I want to talk to you about your approach. I want to talk to you about your approach, though, Jim, okay? Because you're market cap mid-20s, okay? You're, you're somewhere in there. Um, so it's not a, not a big company. You, you also have not uh, gone out to market and raised a lot of money. You are 19.9% shareholder in the company. So, you, you know, you're very interested in making this work. Um, and you're also loaning the company money rather than going out and raising money, okay? So do you not feel that's a bit kind of small? Shouldn't you be going out and finding a, uh, a partner to come in here and put some capital behind this if, if you think you've got what you say you've got? Yeah, I think that that will be a strategy, perhaps in 2021. And I think that there's a couple things that I was worried about that were kind of unique to this year, and it was specifically around COVID and the impacts of COVID. So initially, at the beginning of the year, you know, we knew that we wanted to do work and we knew that we would need to have new capital to do that. And what I was really worried about is that we would raise the cash from equity investors. And then a month later, I would say to them, too bad, so sad. For some reason, we've sh we are unable to drill. If, because of COVID lockdowns, the rigs can't move. And because you're an equity investor, we're not giving you your money back. And you'd be very pissed at me. And why? Why do that? And so that was the, that was the one thing that was holding us back. Um, and so we kind of so I, we went down the path that you know the board approved um, the financial transaction where I'd be advancing money to the company. And and as we went along, did not have problems with our drill rigs. They're you know they're not being impeded. We're not making the people of Capital Moore or Pedro Branca area sick. The drill rigs are running super productively. We've got a full Brazilian team. They're doing incredibly well so that's not an issue and now we've got all the results coming in so now i'm not going to do a financing we're kind of pregnant with results but very soon we'll need to do that and we'll definitely need to raise money for 2021 absolutely okay so let me let me get into that because without, I, those, without those issues yeah for sure for sure but, but let me get into that because then, you know some people sent questions in and, and I, I want to give you the chance to kind of clear them up okay so 19.9 percent. can you not go go over 20 what's the what's the rules there why, why do, basically, why do you issue a loan charging the company? What, well, what are you charging the company? 10% per annum. 10%. Plus the 2% standard. We're yeah. definitely coming back to that. So what, can you not go over the 19.9%? Does that cause issues? It's, it is, does cause issues. For a Canadian-listed company, to, when you become a control person, it becomes really challenging. 
Um, you can't, first of all, um, right now I'm right at 19.9, but in the future, if there are other investors that come in and that's our goal to do that, so we will. Um, I'll have significantly, significantly less as on a percentage basis and I can buy stock uh, and I can obviously sell stock as well. But if you're a control person, you can't without a major issue. And so basically, I like to be able to support my own company and, and I like to buy stock in the open market and I don't want to be a control person. So that's the choice I've made. Okay, so you're up to that limit. So let's come back to this loan at 10% plus what? 2% of what? A standby fee. What's that mean? So basically, I'm putting money aside and um, when the company needs it, they cash call me. So for that, I get paid 2% on the, on the total value that I will loan to the company. But then the 10% is only charged on funds when they've been advanced to the company. Got it. Okay. So, for example, on a, on a million dollars, 10% per annum, it doesn't mean I'll get paid 100000 for the year. But as it's drawn down, then it's calculated on a, on a per annum basis, 10%. Okay, so it's two percent set up a facility, just to have the facility yep. there as and when the company needs it. Yes, but as they draw it yes. down on the money drawn down, they also get charged a ten percent fee on that. Did the board sign yes. that off? Absolutely. Right. Do you think that's those, Do you think those are reasonable and normal rates? I think it's reasonable and normal. And one thing that there is not is uh, bonus warrants. And so if you look at any of the companies out there, that's where you have to go to the exchange for approval because those can be usurious, some people might think. And I just did not charge bonus warrants. So, you know, it's just straight cash. Okay. Should we talk about this um, press release today? Sure. Yeah, let's so, do it. Well, it's, we, it's kind of, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of liked it. You kind of um, explained a few things. It's good. So what were you hoping for people to think when they read this? <laughs> Well, you and I talked about it before. It was actually my father who uh, who caused me to want to clarify this because he's like, you know what? I'm just a, a naive old banker and I can't understand what the hell you were talking about is what he said. You, you know, he doesn't mean banker. that, don't you? you know, when he says naive old banker, what he means is I'm smarter than you. He, just so you he know. Does, yeah, he may have. <laughs> he's a pretty generous man. But he 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 basically told me I need to simplify it. And And the problem with particularly mineral exploration results when you're actually talking about assets from a regulatory perspective, you can't simplify it. You, you, you really have to over explain it, but I do sympathize with people when they look at our news release and, and it's eight pages long and five of that is disclaimer and QAQC and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So what we tried to do is, is take the releases that we put out during the year and synthesize them and kind of put some structure around them so people could understand how we were thinking about the expiration on the project and then how the news releases from the past nine months actually fit our strategy. And so that's what it is. I mean, we laid it out, we bolded beginnings of paragraphs and everything else so you can kind of figure out how we segment this stuff, the information. Okay, so, so give, give me some of the numbers. So you're 80% of your way through a 6,000 meter drill program. So what? What do you want me to know? Well, what we wanted you to know specifically was that the types of targets that we were working on. So, and, and, and you may say, well, so what? And then I would say the types of targets that we're working on will probably dictate the, the advancement and development of the project. So if we are drilling off something that was a 43 one-on-one resource and we drill 
and we step out 100 meters or 200 meters and we hit mineralization, then what that means probably for 2021 is that we'll go back in and fill any gaps we can so we can expand the resource. And obviously, the larger the resource, the potentially larger the NPV down the road when we actually wrap some economics around it. So we did that in two areas so far, Trapia 1 and Trapia 2. And then that third area that we're literally starting this week, the two rigs are barreling down to get onto their uh, drill pads. Um, that's also resource expansion sent tomorrow. So that's one element. Assays are pending from Trapia 1. The assays will take a little while because we just sent the samples off recently for assay for Trapia 2. And then we're just literally peering over the edge of our skis, ready to start drilling Santo Amaro, which is in the north. And the thing I'll, I'll say about Santo Amaro, which isn't in this news release, is that it's just far enough from Capitan Moore that it did not get the attention that it deserves. And it's a couple hours on a couple bumpy roads, and it was just enough to dissuade some of the previous explorers not to spend too much time up there. And we believe that we're saving the best for last with Sun tomorrow, but the drills will tell us, and we're starting this week. So we're all really excited about it. But the reason why we didn't drill it first was that we looked at this program and said, how can we make sure that we get this thing permitted so we're not slowed down, we're minimizing the amount of money we're spending on road building and logistics to get to these drill pads to drill it. And how can we do it so that we quickly and efficiently pound up some holes that grow resources? And in in this area of the world, there is the, a short, albeit short, but there's a rainy season. So you don't want to be drilling in areas that are a little bit mountainous with dirt roads when it's pouring rain and the, you know the roads are eroding in front of you. So we waited until the optimal time when we wouldn't have to, when we, minimize road building and logistics and we can go right in as cheaply as possible and drill a hole so that's why we can send them the best for last in many respects from an exploration perspective okay i want to talk about this because i want to talk about like like known resource expansion versus you know uh, target drilling okay but, but in in a second coming back to the assay component you when assays don't come out with press releases that you know sometimes people get nervous about that is there a kind of backlog of assays in country i mean what what is it slow or is it just the fact that you've only just put them in? Um, well, they're different different answers to the same question. So as far as Trapia 1, we're, it's pending. They're coming back right now. We don't have them yet, but they will not be long. Uh, Trapia 2, they will be four to six weeks. I mean, at the at the shortest time frame, because literally we just packed them off and sent them off um, this week. So they got to get to the lab and they be four to six weeks. Um, Santa Mara, we haven't even drilled a hole yet, so I can't tell you. I mean, we only send stuff in if is the right rock. We don't know whether it's mineralized or how mineralized it will be in terms of the PGEs. But at this stage, the stuff that we've sent in, you know, our fingers are crossed. We hope it's good. The stuff at Santa Mara, we don't know. We, we haven't drilled it yet. It's really interesting, actually. You said something that I was going to... We were talking the other day about um, tricks of the trade in the junior mining space. So it was like, you, set, you only send in the rocks you think you you want to. So does that mean you, you do drill holes that don't get sent in for assay, which don't get reported? No, they get reported, but they would be reported as either no significant results or, you know, a company like ours will disclose that we didn't hit the unit. Right. But we're not going to... We, there's no reason to send rock in if it's not the rock. I mean... 
That's not true. There certainly have been examples in history where rocks were reassayed and they ran and the dogma of the time when the geologist was logging the core and, and he or she said, that's the wrong rock type. We shouldn't assay it. It's going to be dead. And it, you know, history proved them wrong. Um, but in this stage right now, we're cost effectively pounding holes. We're looking for an ultramafic unit. Okay. And so when we hit that unit, we're excited. And, uh, you know, they describe the geology and we, we, we choose, we get it all the rock organized and we send it off to the lab. We could be wrong. There could be areas that aren't ultramafic that for some reason would be impressive from a commercial perspective, but we ain't, we ain't on that track right now. We're looking for mineralized ultramafic. Okay. Rock. Fair enough. Th thanks for explaining that. Um, so it said, I want to understand how a company of your size with your cash, available cash, um, makes decisions because you, you talked about known resource expansion, which obviously says that down the line, that could be really valuable to us. You, the size of the ore body, really important to understand. And the more exciting stuff that maybe retail gets retail investors get excited about, which is, is target drilling, okay? So you guys have, you inherited a lot of data when you, when you acquired this and you've been building up additional um, data as well for this discovery drilling. So how are you making decisions between how much time, money and effort you spend on known resource expansion and, and, and target drilling? And what do you know about the target drilling? I can quantify somewhat our decision-making process just by meters drilled in phase one and phase two. That might be helpful. I mean, roughly 5,000 meters of 6,000 odd meters is resource expansion drilling. But how, so much, how much are you spending? How much time, resource allocated? The, the okay, the more time is spent perhaps on some of the targets because they require a move of the rig. So if, you know, if you're moving into an area and you haven't drilled there before, you have to move the rig to get there. So kind of like proportionately, there's more time and money perhaps spent on those discovery drilling or the target advancement holes versus resource expansion where you're, you park your rig, you drill your hole. If you hit, you move 65 meters to 100 meters down the road and do another one. Um, with the discovery drilling, you know, you're, you're saying there's a target, you maybe had to get clear some brush, move move a road in there, which takes time and some extra money, although it's quite cheap down there in Brazil. And then you build your pad and, or you use an existing pad and you, and you drill it. So a little more time, but how we kind of looked at it this time was the very first five holes that we drilled were uh, resource expansion holes at a target called Trapia One. And we hit what we thought was the unit in, in those holes. And while we were waiting for the results to come back, we moved the rig up and we tested a bunch of targets to the north. And then we came back down when we got the assays from Trapia One because we hit. And we said, okay, let's let's drill this thing to the south now. Let's see if we can pull this thing down and expand resources. So it was really quick. It was about a, less than a month. And we tested all these little targets to the north and then came back. And now we're finishing off the program. Okay. So because the reason I said people get excited about it, because you can spend a little amount of money and unlock a huge amount of value with the exploration component. Whereas with the known resource uh, expansion, you're just kind of filling, filling in the knowledge gaps in, in a way, in terms of step out and so on. The, the, so the effect isn't as, as great. So, be, I mean, well, one, do you agree with that? Is that, is that the case? 
No, I, I think you need them both totally because if you're, if you're constantly swinging for the fences, you strike out a lot. And that's fine if you're, you've got unlimited capital and you're fine spending a whole bunch of money finding new shareholders all the time because that's what it'll entail. You know, if you're failing, failing, failing for, you know, 15, 20 attempts and for, to get one home run if you're lucky. So I think you need to do both. And I think that, it, you know, what you need in any kind of public company is a mixture of shareholders, some that are short term, that are retail, some that are long term, that are retail, and some institutions that are dipping their toe in the water and kind of building a position, perhaps. And I think that you do that by doing what we're doing, which is saying, like, look, we, re we recognize that there's a huge amount of expiration potential, which we'll be focusing on, but we're not going to, you know, blow up doing it. We're going to be trying to be very cost effective doing it to try to add as much value as possible doing it. But we've also got an asset base and we're going to try to increase the size of that asset base incrementally and and do a whole bunch of de-risking too. you know, answer questions, interrogate the data and, and start de-risking this thing as we move it along. You got, I think you got to do it all. And so you kind of have a multifaceted team with different skill sets that know how to do it, that had experience doing it. And everybody's pushing forward as fast as they can in their area of expertise. Okay. That's how we're doing it. But give, give me a real life example of that, because I noticed in the in the press release again under the heading discover discovery drilling. Good heading, by the way. Uh, Thank you. You know, you you, you talk about uh, C four. Was it C zero four? I think it was C zero four. I mean, yeah. tell me what you were doing there. I mean, does does have any bearing as to how you're going to move forward? Yeah, it, it absolutely does. One hundred percent. So, so what we did is we brought in um, an expert. Uh, that named Sandra Perry, who was working on something using something called Worldview Technology, which was looking at the entire project through spectral imagery, satellite imagery, and it can identify different rock types. And so we we kind of sorted and segmented down the project based on the work that she did to identify prospective rock types based on the spectral imagery. Imagery, and then we had uh, um, a, a real full scale. Uh, route of the geophysical data, and we and it was reprocessed, and uh, an excellent professional went through that entire uh, database and and identified some targets, some geophysical anomalies, and we married those two. And if they were coincident, so if the, if the worldview technology and the reprocessed geophysics told us there was a target, we looked at those very carefully. In the case of C4, we had a team that once that data Coincident data showed itself to be a real target. They were the next morning, the next day, they were on that target and they identified some rocks that looked of great interest. And they took samples of those rocks. The next day or two, they were brought back to Canada and sampled. The, the numbers ran, they were over seven grams platinum. And so we said, that's a drill target. You know, it's a, it's a spectral image, it's a worldview target. It's got a nice geophysical signature that's coincident. The guys ground truth it, they picked up rocks, they found mineralization and in fact high grade. And so as part of our discovery drilling, we should test that target and that was C4. And the cost associated with that, you know, all the spectral imaging review and the geophysical reprocessing, you got to remember was property wide. So we've actually laid out a whole bunch of targets just like that 
And so there's, in my mind, massive leverage because if you say, look, our methodology works, it may not work all the time, but it works pretty damn well. And we can, we can roll a rig in there and actually say, yeah, that geophysical and worldview target is actually a mineralized ore body and it warrants more work. And if we can do that 10 or 15 times across the property, that exercise has got some pretty good torque in my, in my estimation. Now, um, we're, we actually have a, about, you know, based on assessment reports, there's over about $30 million that's been spent on this project, hundreds of drill holes and really high quality geophysical surveys and prospecting and stream head sampling and all that stuff that you need before you drill. And so we've got some targets that, have, that are great targets that have been drilled and there's literally drill intervals in the database that are juicy, that are mineralized. Now that thing, that's we're calling those target advancements. So it's not like we came up with the idea, we're making a discovery. Somebody else thought it was a good target and they drilled it. Maybe they didn't get the funding to go back or maybe they were focused on something else. But that's something we've got to go back and ground truth and then drill. And there was a, a target that we drilled called Canabrava, which we succeeded as well. So those are two really good examples. And they're kind of similar type of ore bodies. They're sort of in the same type of area. They're, they look, they have sort of similar uh, properties, let's say, to Kuryu, which is about, you know, it's uh, a little over 100,000 ounces at two grams. So it's a, it's a high grade near surface target. And these guys look like that. And they're right in the same area. So that has application um, for more discovery in the future. The stuff in the north around San Tomorrow, these are big geophysical anomalies, massive worldview footprints, lots of, of the right rocks lying around the ground. And we're going to be drilling those targets up there starting this week. Okay. Some of them. Okay. So use the phrase there, in my mind, use it twice, in your mind. You're excited. You got excited and animated when you started talking about it. But I'm, I'm again, looking at the share price thing, it's taking a long time to get off the ground. You're part of a successful uh, group, discovery group. You've got some big, big names, big companies in there, really advancing things. How much more time do you need before you get the information you need to get your fellow uh, partners at discovery group excited, to get the market excited? Because this has been flat for too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like I just live in my mind, Matt. What I mean, maybe it's, I'm lonely in my own mind. Being John Malkovich, let's go. Or <laughs> he was in a half floor, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think, but I, I think that in terms of export, like there's a couple different ways to add value. And the, the uh, resource expansion is an incremental way that you can tangibly say the ore body was drilled off is this many ounces here. You know, based on thicknesses, we've increased it this way and people can kind of figure out what you've done. But nothing beats a drill hole of 120 meters of high grade juicy ore, you know, in, in drill core. And so we're waiting on some results to come back. We're drilling in San tomorrow. We may get those. I mean, at any point with a discovery drilling program, massive opportunities exist for massive value increase. So that could happen at any point. In the meantime, no, you know, we've, we have been adding value with these, these uh, drill holes to expand resources. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know when, when I will, will emerge from the closet and, and have a group of uh, people arm in arm with me to move this thing forward. Right. Well, it's, it, it's more about, yeah, you're right. Big, sexy drill results are fantastic. Okay. I guess we're saying is what are you doing about 
being putting yourself in a position to be able to to do that you know you're you're hunting what uh, platinum palladium i think people are excited about the mention of rhodium but it's fairly erratic market highest hell at the moment but it, how, how do you put yourself in the best possible position to be able to deliver those results are you going to be able to do it by you continuing to loan the company money or are you going to need to bring in a partner at some point next year you know, sooner rather than later to give you the capital to and work out what the scale of this opportunity is. Because, you know, you, you put out a few drill results now. You, is, it, is it going to be enough to attract someone to the party? I 100% think it is. I think it is. And I think we've been answering questions that are really important for potentially those types of strategic investors that understand mining and specifically PGMs for sure. And also, I think that we're going to get a few uh, holes in there that will attract the retail investor that looks at it and goes, is it spectacular or not? Like, is it, is it a massive interval or not? And they get that. And that's a more, that's a shorter term way of looking at it, but shit, it works. You know, like people want, you know, it has to be impressive to drive massive value increase if you're trying to get retail investors. If you're, if you're looking at someone who's looking at it in the cold light of day, you know, they don't need 500 meters of 15 grams per ton to get them excited. They look at it and they go, can this thing be developed? And, and can we see ourselves owning and advancing and putting this thing into production? Okay, so you sort of answer some of the questions, but how much more money are you gonna spend? How much more of your money is this company gonna spend g giving you the data that you need to go and have that intelligent conversation? Well, I've got about $200,000 left in what I'm going to advance to the company. And, you know, we're, we're done the drill program in, in three weeks, you know, three, four weeks. So the assays will come into January. Well, becoming, you know, could be in the next week or two, uh, right through till the end of January. So it'll be constant news flow there. I think we'll be able to, I think we, we, we already are answering many questions that are necessary to have meaningful conversations with people that are, are quite knowledgeable about the industry and mining in Brazil and PGMs and everything else. And I also think that it'll be pretty attractive for retail investors too. To answer your question, I'm not gonna to continue to lend, lend money to the, the um, company. It's, an, it's been an interesting exercise and I don't feel bad about it. I can sleep at night. I feel pretty comfortable about it. And I feel excited about the news releases to come. And I think, you know, I won't be lonely very much longer. Oh, sounds intriguing. Um... This, this, are you, well, actually, are you, are you in or out of the cupboard at this point? I'm not sure. I can't quite remember. I go right back in that thing when I'm done the interview. I just. Uh, I, I'm going to. I'm going to pretend it's um, something to do with Narnia. Um, so yeah. <laughs> let's talk about next steps because yeah, you know, you know, I think we're running out of time here. So talk to me about next steps. What are the things we should be looking out for? Obviously, assays coming back in. Through to sort of in, into January as well. Lots of lots of drill numbers. Uh, you expect them, or you suspect that they're going to be the greatest to be interesting. Not only to strategic partner, but you think retail should get excited too. But I, I'm not so sure about that one because I'm not sure P, PGEs are well enough understood for retail to interpret the numbers you're going to give to them. So how do they determine what good looks like? What numbers should they be looking for? What would good look like? I think that they should look in terms of next drill holes, I look at how close the surface they are. You know, that would be one thing I would look for. 
And so, you, you know, if you get um, a mineral ore body that's deeper down, it's got to have higher grades. There's a lot more going, uh, running against you. So near surface mineralization, I think we've got a 1.22 gram per ton average in terms of the, the existing resource. So around that, a little lower or higher, that'd be a good metric, right? If, you, if it was a higher grade interval near surface, you got to think about what that will mean to the resource it's going to expand right growth so those are good metrics how close the surface and how does it compare with the resource grade that's and then you can make up your own mind i mean i think that um, an open pitable type of target has a very different grade profile than something that's down 600 meters you know you can have high you can have much lower grade material and if you have high grade material close to surface that's pretty that's pretty phenomenal that's margin. That's margin, baby. It's margin and earlier, earlier cash flow. Brilliant. Um, Jim, thanks for that. We're going to look out for those assay results. And if they if they are good, pick up the phone, call me. I want to hear about it. Okay. You know it. You know I'll call you anytime over the weekend even to let you know what's going on. I'll, I'll take your call. Appreciate it, Jim. Perfect. Thanks very much. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.